and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Pig, directed by Michael Sarnaski, starring Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined today with Isaac Ransom. It says here Jews are Greenwood, but that's not true. <laughs> that's a lie. Um, He's not here. Isaac, Isaac, how are you doing? Good. I still hate episode nine, Juzo Greenwood. <laughs> I know, right? What a, just an awful movie. It's so terrible. And I can't believe that he he likes that movie. It's it's really just just the worst of the worst. You know, I, th- I feel like Juzo has one of the most respected opinions on film. And uh, when it comes to taking, uh, you know, pot shots at him when he can't defend himself, I'm all about it. Sorry, Juzo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, I, I agree. I also am all about it. <laughs> we love you, Jizo. He's one of our patrons. Just give him a hard time. I'm good, Cameron. I'm doing well. I've been thinking about bacon a lot after this movie. Um, not baking. <laughs> I said bacon. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I still wonder what uh, Nicolas Cage's signature dish is. You know, I'm not I'm not quite sure. I'd love to see the the chef from Pig face off against Ratatouille. Two two very different life perspectives, you know, when it comes to cooking. Well, so. let's let's not get into that yet because um, I've got I've got thoughts about the that, those those two movies. Shut being, up! That was being, supposed to be a joke. That was supposed being to be basically a joke, like like sequels to each other. <laughs> so how are you, Cameron? How are you? How's life? I'm doing good. Um, working a lot, but uh, it's kind of slowing down. Um, basically, after this week, I'm like ready for that vacation life. So I've yes. got like two weeks off, basically, um, and I'm ready to live it up. I'm so excited. So um, yeah, I I I'm doing good. I let's see, what have I been doing? I I guess I don't know if I can talk about it necessarily, but I've been doing some some cool stuff at 2K. Um, as far as working today and, uh, yeah, you know, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I've been busy just that holiday stretch. You know, I think most people are beginning to tune out. It's very weird in the business world, how like it's like managers and, and people kind of forecasting are like, man, people are just really beginning to tune out. And even in the creative space and creative marketing and promotion stuff, it's like, yeah, it's not really worth it to put any money or effort into campaigning. I mean, obviously, you still see ads all the time, but it's like, I guess it's just a dead season. It's very, very strange when it comes to marketing. So it, yeah, it really, yeah. um, well, it, it, it depends on the product that you have, right? You know, yeah. so like I, I imagine for you, you know, like you're you're probably targeting more like, a, you know, workers and whatnot. But like for for normal retail, this is like crazy time for um you know for for promotions and you know black friday and everything like that so um you know like it it kind of is the rush time until you get to probably like probably the same thing like mid december where yeah. things kind of cool off right well we do sell jackets for the company i work for so like it it, it has been being like st- steady pickup in terms of like just regular consumers like b2c stuff but um uh, you, there's like a great like a, a pretty substantial like plummet um midway through this week and it's like well i guess that i guess people are just tuning out already and i'm all for it you know well it's time for you know holiday times uh, I good good cheer and good meals um mm. this movie has meals but no cheer so i am excited <laughs> to talk about this film um and you know kind of last week we had a good reflection on um 2021 and the movies that came out. So I'm excited to talk about this movie in the context of films that came out this year as well. Um, yeah. I don't know, Cameron, 
if you want to go read a question before we get into your hot take, but I do want to say that Tim reached out to me, one of our patrons, and said that he believes that this movie this year was great for movies, and he sent me a massive list of films um, that he loved, and so it was kind of interesting to hear his his perspective. And yeah. I mean, I I didn't really necessarily disagree with him, and I didn't necessarily agree with you on on not so many great movies. I kind of feel neutral about this year. I feel like I had a decent amount of time to watch film for this podcast, and I went to the theaters and saw some good movies, but. I guess it's just not at a constant rate of quality and underground excellence that you usually find. And in, in, I, I feel like you would know, Cameron. So it was just kind of interesting to hear his thoughts on it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Tim, we were we were chatting on Discord and um, talking about how he ranks this as like one of the better years of the, you know, the past 10 or so years. Um, and I, I don't really get that perspective. I think it's like re- pretty much at the bottom. Um, and 2020 is down there too. 2020 was a terrible year. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm willing to have my mind change only because there are things this year that I miss that I do still want to see. So I'm trying to, I'm, tr- I am actually trying to do some homework and to, um, <laughs> to uh, jump into some other movies this year. Um, I don't know if we talked about it last week because I don't know if I saw it last week, but Licorice Pizza came, or it hasn't come out yet, but I saw an advanced screening of it. Um, I'm going to go see it again on Saturday. Um, and it has currently topped my my list uh, so far from this year. So I think, I think we should definitely see it, um, Isaac. I don't know if we'll be able to do something about it, but hopefully maybe a Patreon episode or something because it comes out on Christmas uh, mm. is the only thing. Uh, if you're not doing anything on Saturday, I think there's screenings in San Jose maybe, but um, yeah, that might be know, fun. Yeah, um, I'm I'm going to one in Berkeley with uh, with Juzo, um, but uh, yeah, but it's it's a great. I think it's a great movie, um, and. It's so it's funny too because Juzo, he, I, not to say that he's mixed on it, but he he doesn't have quite the enthusiasm that I do about it. So um, it's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see if he likes it better the second time because for me, I just thought it was such a fun ride. And then Juzo came over yesterday and we we kind of had a a hangout day and uh, we watched Old um, by M Night Shyamalan and mm. I thought it was pretty solid actually. I I really was expecting to hate it a lot more probably. Um, and Juzo kind of talked it down to me too, but even though he really loves it, he thought I wasn't going to like it very much. Um, and, um, I actually thought it was very surprising how, how much I enjoyed about the movie. Um, I think the ending is like whack. I, I really think it's terrible. Um, Shyamalan, come on. I think the beginning is pretty weird too. Um, up until they get to, I guess, I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but the trailer says it, so it's not really a spoiler. It's about a beach that they, you know, they age faster, essentially. So, yeah. um, and um, I really love that dynamic. I loved the, everything on the beach was, I thought was just really, really good. And even though it's like kind of, kind of funky dialogue sometimes, and it's kind of a weird movie. Um, not really weird, I guess. It's just kind of a... Um, Things are just a little off. 
with with people and i think that's just how m night is maybe nowadays um mm. but i i didn't mind that at all i thought i thought it was kind of charming and fun um and yeah and i think it does a lot of things that are really really special um but yeah i mean overall i said what i said last last week i think this year has been terrible um i personally have not thought i found maybe a a couple of movies that i have really loved um and all of the other ones that i've seen have been basically like either meh or bad or kind of okay <laughs> like in that middling range so mm. um to me it's just like it's just a dud of a year but uh i again i said i i'm willing to have my mind changed there's more good stuff coming too and i'm i am actually i don't think we mentioned it last week but i'm i'm very excited for west side story um i think that's going to be really good and and seeing more and more of it i'm like more and more stoked about it so i'm really surprised about liquor's pizza with Juzo, because the second I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, this is one of those Juzo movies. That's like the first <laughs> thing I thought when I saw it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, me too. I thought that too. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it besides when I saw the trailer, there's awkward teens trying to talk to each other, and it seemed like a movie about Hollywood. And I was like, this just feels like right up Juzo's alleyway. <laughs> you it's know, not, I don't... It's, not really a, it's not really a movie about Hollywood, um, but I think... I'm just t- I think I think you'll probably like it because it's it's base. I think it's P.T. Anderson's funniest movie and his most like charming and just like relaxing and enjoyable movie. So yeah. like it's 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 very much one that um, yeah. I just I just had a blast with. I I really liked it. It reminds me of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in a, in a lot of ways. So. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I kind of got that vibe from seeing the trailer and that sort of, I mean, like I've definitely grown on once upon a time, um, but there was some, like, obviously there's some sort of connection to like Barbara Streisand's boyfriend or something like that in the trailer. And I was like, I don't know anything about these people. So, um, I, I, I don't think you, well, I, I'll just say, I don't think you really have to cause it, the, it's, it's just fun watching people on screen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just a it's just a charming movie. Regardless and that's of whether I mean, or not you know them. Yeah, that's how I felt about um, Once Upon a Time, too. I do believe that, yeah. like, there's a lot of charm to it as well. So I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I, I definitely want to give it a chance. It definitely looks the trailer has a lot of life and you can tell that the movie has a lot of life. So, um, yeah, as far as this year, I don't know. I we, we talked about it last episode, so if you want to hear all our thoughts on this this last year, Cameron and I will be doing a choice for this year, like a 2021 movie, like best movie in our opinion. And I think we'll probably have Juzo and maybe Tim for that show, too. I, I think, I think we that would that. be a that would be a blast, honestly. Yeah. But um yeah, we might have to spend a whole night, so <laughs> get prepared. And, yep. you know, another thing I was talking with Juzo about yesterday was sometimes in these years, because you get movies that have like a one week run in like New York or whatever, that technically are like, you know, 2021 20, movies. Sometimes you get this weird thing where you have to wait until like February to do like a, a look back on 2021 because some of these movies just aren't available. Um so, you know, maybe we'll we'll have to push it out depending on what we think. Um, 
but I, you know, I'm right now I'm like in, I'm kind of hung in that hunger mode. I'm like wanting to, to, to look at, um, a bunch of movies and wanting to try to like scour and find one that I, uh, I'll, you know, a couple more that I really love. Cause my, my top 10 list is like movies that I think suck. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. I, I think just picking one and arguing for it would be a lot of fun. So yeah, L- you can look forward to that towards the end of the month. Even if we haven't fully developed our opinions, I think the conversation will be will be worth having. Cameron, I need your hot take. This is a okay. very out of left field uh, sort right. of thing, but it's kind of related to Pig. I have recently sort of gotten into olive oil, and I don't know how you feel about olive oil, but truffle olive oil is really bomb if you've had that. Yeah, I really wanted I, to I have some in my cabinet right now. Yeah, I wanted to get your take, Cameron. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, we're truffle is a great flavor, but I want to hear your hot take on some of the best olive oil you've had, hands down. If is it a combination? Is it just sticking with the classic? Is there like a pomegranate flavor? Are we going into like the truffle the truffle zone thing? Is that good? I want to hear it. Yeah, well, you know, there is something that hits a little bit different about like a really, really good olive oil, like specialty olive oil, you know, that's like, mm. that's like on, on another level. Um, you know, there's that, there's that olive oil bar in Las Gatas. I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes they give out sam- yeah. samples and whatnot. Um, and there's something about that where you're like, how does it, this doesn't even taste like olive oil. <laughs> like, this is like, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. Like I usually just buy the Costco jug and you know, that's fine for me, but, um, you know, facts, so, dude, facts. Yeah. so, but, but I, so I, I kind of, I kind of like the, or let's say I don't like it, but I appreciate the more expensive, more, um, you know, uh, more, more, uh, extravagant types of olive oil, but. For me, I really like a just a simple, nice, clean, extra virgin olive oil. I like to cook with it. I like to top, you know, I'll just sprinkle a little bit on. I I keep my olive oil because I transfer it from the big jug into those little squeezy bottles. Mm. Um, and so I, I always keep it on hand, you know, it's just like a good thing. Now, as far as like flavored oils, they're a bit more niche. And for me, I'm not like... I won't go out of my way to like buy a flavored oil um, of any kind because they're usually more expensive. They're usually more niche and I won't put them on things, but I do have that bottle of truffle oil and you know, that's it. That's definitely a good, it was a gift, but um, definitely a good, you know, sort of compliment to to certain things, a way to make your, make your food a little fancier, I guess. Mm, yeah. Um, but I like if I'm ever doing like a nice, you know, I don't know, a nice thing that needs like an olive oil dipping thing or, you know, put things on. I, I, I will do like an olive oil garlic infusion, you know, Ooh, that's, yes. that's good. Um, so, y- you know, y- even with, even if I want a flavor out of it, I can usually, you know, uh, I can usually make it myself. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. And good. I will say there's something just so special about olive oil and balsamic vinegar in yes. like to dip in bread with a little cracked pepper. Whew, there's it's something, unbelievable. There's something about that that like that that does something to me. I don't know. You what can it is, you can but. literally up your game at any party if you just bring that. And yeah, it's 100%. to be honest, it's not the bread is cheap, but if you really want to go the extra mile, like good oil and good balsamic vinegar, like it ain't cheap. And 
it will impress. Like it's good. It can, it can be really powerful. I kind of wanted to bring up this topic because I know some of you are stuck in the holiday shopping. I just want to throw this out here for you. Olive oil, high end olive oil. It's a great gift, especially if they're into cooking or, I mean, that's what I got. Um, Juliana's mom for Christmas is some very expensive, uh, truffle olive oil, but she's all about truffle. So, um, Thanks for sharing your hot take, Cameron. Not too controversial. I was kind of expecting no. maybe some rage about olive oil or something like that. Well, like I'll just say I love oils of all kinds, and I like to find new ways to make oils and use oils. Like I've made um, like beef tallow out of like trimmings from like tri tip that I that I had. Um, I've made I make my own ghee. Um, so like you know separated clarified butter basically. Um, and, you know, so I'm I'm a big fan of using different different types of oils, obviously butter, you know, without question. But um, you know, for a second there, me. I thought you were speaking a different language. I was like, what did he just say? Ghee? Yeah. Ghee. Is yeah. that like brie? But like, no, no, no. Oh. It's G-H-E-E. Ghee. It's in it's an it's, it's Indian sort of. But, you know, people have made it throughout throughout history, I'm sure. Well, uh, this it's just show clarified is, butter. Yeah, this show is about movies. Um, welcome to Cinema <laughs> no, Spectator. If uh, if you want to support us at Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash ECFS Productions, throw a couple dollars away. It helps the show. You can get a question read on air. You can uh, submit votes and you can get an exclusive episode. That is really the big thing. We do commentary tracks sometimes, but we've been leaning into episodes. So if you want access to that content, it's patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Just give us a rating. Tell friends and family anything to help the show grow. We really appreciate it. Shout out to our UK listeners. I see that there are some people streaming out in the UK. I'm sorry you're stuck listening to some California boys talk about movies. I'm sure that you have a much more pleasant uh, vocal sound than we do. So uh, just shout out to people listening worldwide. It's an honor to be uh, hanging out with you guys. So so I speaking of questions, though, I do have a couple quick ones. Um. Maybe that will relate to, Let's to do what it. we talk about. Yeah. Uh, the first is, what's the best movie soundtrack? Uh, are you try- Not score, right? Soundtrack. Not score. So he, sa- he says soundtrack. This is from JD, by the way. Okay. Um, I think this is, a, this is a sort of hard one. Although, obviously, you know, you got to give some props to, um, to Pulp Fiction. You got to give some props to... Um, to you know, Goodfellas is up there. The Irishman is up there. You know, so there's a, there's a couple different directors who work in the sort of soundtrack realm that I think are pretty exceptional. Um, you know, I think I think PTA Paul Thomas Anderson as well. We were talking about him. Um, you know, amazing soundtracks in some of his movies. That's um, such it's such a difficult question for me because I know that you know, like Tarantino and Scorsese, they have great soundtrack moments but i could never tell you what song they're using and why like like it's almost like the perfect blending of a licensed song because it's sort of they they coexist in a way that isn't distracting it's like very it's used in a way that's very natural for the viewer even if they're not able to like pin the song right um like i don't know why i'm thinking of this but you know, um, there's that classical piece like Furlice, right? You know, you know that song. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's used in movies a lot, and 
when it comes on, there's a couple reactions I think that the audience can have. It's either helping them lean into the movie or it disconnects them for a second because they're like, oh, this song is so good. Do you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. like there's like a moment that a soundtrack can either pull you in in a non-distracting way or like almost like kind of distract you for a second than being engrossed in the world. And we're in this stage with movie soundtracks where a lot of people are doing like this fourth wall sort of soundtrack inclusion where Deadpool's sitting on the freeway and he puts on headphones to, you know, that X gonna give it song or whatever. Um, and it's like he he is participating with the audience in listening to the song and it's acknowledged in the movie compared to maybe something that what Scorsese would do where it's kind of like this song that is um, sometimes like it's present like in the actual scene, but other times it's like just to amplify. I know Tarantino's definitely just like it's almost like that is better than a score. We're just going to play a, a yeah. song almost out of context to add, but it somehow works, right? Well, uh, funny funny you mentioned that because uh, I was thinking about Apocalypse Now, how it, it actually does have diegetic and non-diegetic music, um, you know, in it. And, and you know, it, it opens to the doors and, you know, the the beautiful, you know, montage to that song. And then, um, you know, when they're, when they're, you know, riding in helicopters, um, uh, over, over the village, it's, it's a flight of the Valkyries and, you know, so it, it incorporates certain things. And then on the boat, I think they have a couple different moments of, um, of diegetic sound. So it incorporates both, but it really does use it as sort of a punctuation mark in a lot of ways. And as a, a, a you know, a separate, version of a score um i think another well on the opposite side of things um i know you've never seen this movie but her has an amazing soundtrack that is also basically the score of the movie um and it's kind of in like a fuzzy gray area i would say but um is is pretty much a score um even though it's it's by a band and sort of some of the music was written before and some of the music was kind of incorporated in the movie, um, so it's it's on the it's on I would say it's it's a it's a gray area, but um, it's all non diegetic sound and it's very atmospheric and gives it that that mood and that and that vibe. So I think it can work with both. I know what you're talking about though with the sort of ironic fourth wall breaking. Uh, you know, we're going to listen to the music with you, you know, like gu- sort of Guardians of the Galaxy style, um, you know, I that, feel that like kind of it's, thing. it's so difficult for me to talk about the soundtrack thing without mentioning Guardians of the Galaxy, because I do feel like that soundtrack for that film, not only did it have the audience that was like kind of ready to experience a movie like that, but like the soundtrack really like smashed through these like classic rock songs from the 70s and there really wasn't an audience listening to those songs a new audience listening to those songs it was a massive new audience now like suddenly listening to the commodores or like uh it's not the commodore sorry um that was off the baby driver soundtrack yeah um but i'm pretty sure there's a um shoot i'm blanking on the band oh my gosh I can't remember the name of the band. It's the one with the guy riding the skateboard and the cranberry thing. You know what I'm talking about? Um, Fleetwood Mac. That's it. Like oh, Fleetwood yeah. Mac coming to popular. Fleetwood Mac has a very strange way of staying relevant 
all the time. It's very interesting. Yeah, that that, that, that is band. true. Um, so I have to shout out Guardians um, and Baby Driver. I do think that those are pretty easy choices um, that are like fixated on music first. Yeah, and, and I know what you mean about like a band scoring for a movie, but it's a band like M83 scored for Oblivion, uh, mm-hmm. which Tom Cruise is in, and I really like that score, but it's also kind of an album. Um, yeah, yeah. I tend to lean towards soundtracks that are breathed by the like director or the creator. Like it's like almost he selected that song so long ago to like yeah. have in a movie, you know, um, to have in a oh, scene that wait, like, I mean. Talk about waves. I mean, yeah, like I can't believe we forgot that. But yeah, yeah, totally. that's an that's an amazing soundtrack, um, and one that is very punctuated by sort of the effect of that movie, and it kind of has a, um, it it kind of takes on an, a, its own character in a lot of ways, and is both diegetic and non diegetic. Um, yeah, I would say that waves probably is one of the best. Yeah, modern choices for that yeah it, i i can't answer this question though it's too well, do i you, feel like do, no do you want to move what, on to a to another question because i think we talked a, a lot about uh, uh this and i think we gave some some good thoughts sure um but this one might be relevant to this movie or not but um what's the best trained animal in film hmm uh, you know, I actually saw a movie this year that was really surprising and I didn't like it very much, but it's a movie called Lamb. There's some incredible animal actors in this film. Mm. Um, the dog is great. There's a cat that's got a lot of attitude. And of course, there's lambs that are in this movie and they're 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 great actors. They're great acting animals. So uh, if I had to pick a modern choice, um, it would be Lamb. If it's an obscure childhood movie that I watch too much of, it would be C-Spot <laughs> Run. Um, which it has to have some of the, I mean, the rat terrier that bites that guy's meat. There's like a meatball that goes in somebody's pants. That that's pretty scary. No, I think, I think the answer is obvious. The choice is clear. It's obviously baby from bringing up baby. Um, I think there's no question about that. Also the fact that they were using just like live leopards in like 1934 and they just, they just like didn't care and it was totally, totally cool. They had no problems with that. Um, Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. I I love that movie and I love that animal. So um, yeah. Um, well, I, uh, that kind of segues into this movie because apparently they didn't have enough money to, uh, train a pig. So they just used an untrained pig, um, and it kept biting Nicolas Cage. So fun facts. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let's, I mean, let's get into a summary of this movie. I, yeah, I like the pig. It's got, uh, it's got cool hair, you know, definitely. Cool, yeah. Cool looking pig for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Pig is about a truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian wilderness, um, who must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she's kidnapped. Um, and that's the IMDb summary. So that's, that's just what I used. Um, and yeah, really it's about, um, sort of your journey with with a man who's kind of disillusioned from from his old life and has moved away for um certain reasons that we find out but um you know is really sort of living in isolation until he has to go back and sort of confront his old his old days um and it starts off where you think that it's going to be a revenge film and it turns into something very interesting and very unique that I've basically never seen in a movie before so 
Um, that's my my short little uh, blurb about Pig. Um, do you have anything else to add? I guess. Yeah, we're gonna get into spoilers. Um, I am going to try to give a recommendation without giving anything away. Um, although I do think that if you listen to the spoilers, this movie is still worth watching, and I do yeah. think that it is still something you will really enjoy with the context of our discussion that we're going to have. I, I think that this movie is a real gem for 2021. And I can totally see Agreed. why you chose us to watch this movie. Um, it was deeply moving and I was extremely confused why I was moved <laughs> by this movie. And I yeah. think that's probably yeah. the best way I can explain it is that I was choking up at a certain point of conflict and I was like, why? Like, this is so, conf- I'm literally so confused by this movie um, because it continually kind of fakes you out in, in moments where th- there's early moments in the film where you almost feel like it's going to turn into a John Wick or like there's somewhat of like a, I don't know why I was thinking this, but like a dark night energy on the streets of Portland when he's like walking around, you're like, this is there's something going on. Like, I don't know what it is. And it, it really veers into a very introspective um, place that, that kind of surprises you. And I'm not entirely sure why it works. And I'm very confused uh, and conflicted <laughs> on how I feel about this movie. Um, yeah. But I am, po- I am very positive on it, despite it being um, fairly sad. I think it is a fairly sad movie, uh, but a good movie. And, um, that that's pretty much all I can say without getting into full spoilers, Cameron. Anything you want to echo? Um, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think this movie is really um, a special one. It's one that I, like I said, is extremely unique and kind of unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, and you're right that it kind of fakes out your expectations, although um, I think it totally does that on purpose and is playing into that a little bit. Um, and it, that's kind of one of the the most fun parts or uh, not most fun parts, but uh, that's one of the elements of, of like glee that I get from watching the movie um, is like watching your, your expectations turn from the first half to the second half. Um, And honestly, it's an hour and a half. It's really not that much of a time commitment. Um, It's very consumable. Nicholas Cage is wonderful in it. Um, You know, one of his best roles Um, and, you know, this is a tiny, tiny budget movie, um, and it's it totally doesn't look like it, and it's it's worth seeing. I I think it's so good. Um, so yeah, it's I think it's free on Hulu right now too. So this you have no yeah. you have no excuse, no excuse. This movie has some of the best acting I've seen, probably right up there next to Dune, um, which I really like Dune's acting, and it it grew on me. I could see some people disliking it, but like this movie hands down especially compared to some of our conversation about waves with like awkward dialogue and whatnot or like awkward kind of teen dialogue i feel like this movie nails awkward dialogue in a way that is unbelievable to me like it's genuinely like some of the most convincing acting i've seen um in a film and i i I don't even know really why i but there's a few scenes there's a scene in a restaurant that's unbelievable in terms yeah. of line delivery. Yeah. There is, uh, and everyone in that scene is fantastic. 
There's a scene with um, Alex Wolf and Nicolas Cage in an apartment that is just great. I don't I don't even know. Like they're saying lines that could easily fall flat, but it is just unbelievable. Like the delivery is like so real. I don't know. I can't really even I was I, I was taken back. I actually like kind of made a verbal sound halfway through that scene. I'm like, this is like I haven't seen acting like this where they're saying normal things and it feels normal you know like i don't know it's mm-hmm. very it's not something you pick up on i don't think most audience members would pick up on that and then like there's a emotional moment towards the end that is just um the camera it it lets you soak in the actor's performances in a way that's just like top tier. this is like top tier you know top tier acting just unbelievable yeah um, i agree so much of this movie could have, I mean, it's so strange. So much of this movie could have been horrendous to sit through. And I do think it's elevated through its acting in, in a lot of, a lot of ways. So Cameron, I, I mean, I, I feel like we need to get into spoilers. We can kind of just dive straight into, um, I don't know. What do you want? You want to go through the plot or some of the, the filmmaking of it? Um, yeah, I think, I think let's go through the structure cause we were kind of hinting at it before about how it's, it's kind of faking you out in, in the first half and it leads you to a place of, of something very different. Um, and you know, obviously it's kind of pitched and, uh, in, in a lot of ways is in the first half, it even, you know, attempts to evoke that emotion of, of a revenge movie of a John Wick, like you were saying. Um, you know, his pig gets kidnapped. He's kind of going on a on a hunt to um, to find his pig. And he's, uh, you know, increasingly interacting with seedier and seedier characters and sort of going through the 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 vile, you know, um, parts of the Seattle restaurant industry. And so you, you're kind of gearing up for this to to take that that next plunge. And what it does around, I think, in the act two break, actually, where after he gets beat up, after you kind of have that catharsis of of violence in a lot of ways, which is an oddly um, placed moment, I think, because you're kind of still not really sure what's happening (laughs) at that point in the movie. Um, But it does feel like a little bit of a release before the the second act break um, where you're like, you you know, then then you get a moment of of. Uh, respite and you you kind of you kind of have this this moment to breathe in the apartment um with with Alex Wolf and Nicolas Cage and then you kind of start to actually understand what this movie is is about a little bit more yes um and it kind of it kind of trickles the the real purpose of the movie out along uh the second act um in a way that is so beautifully spun and so um evocative and in a way that that like i said i i have, haven't really ever seen before in a movie um where it takes a total hard turn but in like such a gentle way to break you away from your first expectations and to lead you into something more beautiful and more transcendent than it could have ever been um yeah and i, I mean uh, before we move on to part three i we need to talk about part one and a little bit more in depth, I think, because yeah. this was uh, I watched this movie with my brother. The first part is the worst part of this film, and it is gearing you up 
for a part that never happens. And it also, it never feels satisfying. But what's so surprising about this film's second part and third part is how satisfying it is in a very different way, right? Yeah. And so I was genuine, like, I don't know. Like, I've, there's a couple things. There's a couple things I want to shout out about this film. The pig kidnapping is horrific. Some of the scariest sound design I've heard in a movie. Yeah. Like, it is yeah. just terrifying. Um, I mean, I jumped in theaters, even though, you know, you know what's kind of what's about to happen too you know yeah and even if you've read the the imdb um you know thing you know you know that you know the pig gets kidnapped but the way that they do it and the way that it's kind of like so explosive um is really shocking on screen um yeah so. yeah and the sound design is just crazy and then nicholas cage kind of moves into this pursuit but it's very um it feels very like cl not clumsy. He's very driven, but it's very boring for him to get out. I don't, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how I want to say it, but it's like he wakes up after the kidnapping. He kind of stumbles around. He tries to start his truck. It really hangs on his frustration in the truck. And then he's walking. And I'm like, this is like just not what I expect after such an intense scene. You know, it's kind of like it's it's already kind of subverting some expectation. And then he has this first he walks into um, like a bar and asks for someone who's not there. They're like, oh, she died 10 years ago. So you're like, oh, this guy's been kind of in isolation for a while. And then Alex Wolf shows up who you, you've seen earlier and he's kind of an obnoxious character from the start. And he's still kind of obnoxious. I loved Alex Wolf's performance in this film. Like he's so very, good. So good. Yeah. It's a very complex character when he starts as someone that's it almost at first you feel like he's miscast. It's very it's because you're like, okay, snarky, cocky, rich kid that's sleazy. I don't know. I was like, I don't know if this kind of fits him. And then as he rounds out, you're like, oh no, this is like a perfect choice because he needs to be sympathetic. I feel like Alex Wolf's presence is sympathetic somehow. Um into this whole like kind of like crime syndicate underground of Portland. And I was just, I was very confused about where this film was going. And then when Nicolas Cage is opening up a wall, I'm like, is this the sequel to national treasure? No, is this the sequel that I've been waiting? National treasure three hobo edition. You know, I, I just, I think that the first part, and, and honestly, I really don't know why they were punching each other down in the underground. I could not understand anything that they were saying. I had to turn up my sound system a couple times. And so it maybe was a betting, was it was a betting ring and you sort of put your name on the wall and you, you basically, you know, you get money put on based on how, how much they think, uh, you're going to last essentially, um, just being sucker punched. Yeah. But that, is it like, why, why is there a restaurant connection? That's what I was confused about. I don't know. It's just supposed to be like a, an underground, you know, chef fight thing. it's so weird it's so <laughs> it's such a weird like it's it a makes very strange no, detail yeah it really makes no sense and so by the end of the first part glenn was completely asleep and that's kind of what i wanted to say is like glenn falls asleep in a lot of things but this movie is so short and the confusing opening for him he just kind of like slowly his head tilted back and he just 
He's out. He's gone, you know? Um, and which I, you know, I was like, I don't think that this movie is boring. I, and I don't think that um, it's necessarily unengaging. It's just kind of confusing. I'm not entirely sure Def- if I yeah, follow yeah. what's happening at the beginning. So Glenn's asleep and we move into the second part. And you're totally right. You know, the the um, the interaction with Alex Wolf's character and Nicolas Cage's character in um, the hotel as you're beginning to figure out. I think out it's his the, apartment. Or his, um, yeah, his apartment. Yeah. They're, they're like, like Alex Wolf's character is beginning to realize that Nicolas Cage is like someone really powerful or has a legacy um, in this town, right? There's just, there's a new level of like, um, I don't know, like, the, the the scene is acted out so realistically and then suddenly what was confusing and weird um and really doesn't make a lot of sense becomes this movie that is extremely grounded like a very real real feeling movie compared to its S- sort of sort of though yeah because there's <laughs> the fact that he's like walking around and he's got like blood all over his face and like people just kind of casually mention it and like you know there's like some very strange elements to the entire yeah. movie like running through but but you're right that it becomes um you think that it's going one way you think that it's going to be sort of the revenge story he's going to take down the restaurant people or whatever um and he's going to get his pig back and um in part two, you start to realize that this is a movie that's actually kind of more about food than anything. <laughs> um, right, which is also such a weird, like, it's it's such a weird, like, twist. And that's why I was making, like, the Ratatouille <laughs> jokes at the beginning, because you're like, like, wait, these guy, this guy's a chef, like, or he was a chef, and he wasn't just any chef, he was, like, one of the greatest chefs in Portland. And... So the movie is kind of like slowly revealing these aspects, but every aspect that's revealed doesn't necessarily, it almost brings up more questions than answers uh, in a lot of ways. I I felt like the beginning of this movie reminded me a lot of like a Kojima game. I'm not sure why. There's something about the opening in the forest and all the names (laughs) and stuff. Like I was like, this is very strange. This is a very strange opening. And then... They're all talking about, well, Nicolas Cage's character is talking about how all these things are happening in the city that he knows, like he, he, he's talking to Alex Wolf's character, who is more of like the audience surrogate. Uh, and he, like Alex Wolf's character is just as confused as we are, right? As an audience, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. He is very is much this? the audience character in, in the surrogate for, for a lot of it. Yeah. So, it it begins to come together really strongly in the second part. There's a great interaction about hit Alex Wolf's history and where he's at with his parents and how you find out that there's a connection between his parents and the missing pig, right? Uh, specifically, Alex Wolf's dad, who's this savvy businessman, who's rich, right? And um, then, like, there's also... We got to talk about this restaurant scene with like the chef. Yeah. Cuz like that was scene- for me the first the first time that I watched this movie, I I kind of wasn't sure what to think until this scene. I um, agree. No, I totally agree. And then after that I was like this 
is amazing. This is basically like whether or not, you know, whether or not the rest of this movie holds up, at least this scene, I can say, is like genuinely one of the best moments on film in the last year. And, you know, one of I mean, it's just so amazing that, you know, so they go into this very high class, new, new hip restaurant, you know, and they're kind of they kind of build it up to in a way um, where they're like, oh, yeah, it's so hard to get a reservation and whatnot. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's a deconstructed, um, you know, it's a restaurant where they deconstruct the food so that um, it makes the familiar foreign and uh, and, and it opens. Oh, after an amazing <laughs> after an amazing shot where uh, Nicolas Cage steals a bicycle and yells at someone. <laughs> <laughs> right. That scene Which was is crazy. So funny. So funny. Um, and I yeah, I love it. Um, well, and, you know, they have that. I I love that moment with him and the kid, too, where he goes Such to his a, old house. Yeah. Such um, a weird scene because that there's something about it that feels so like you're like, there's no way a bloody beat up hobo would be able to talk to a kid sitting on a porch in the back. But there's also something very there. It's like such a heartwarming visual. It's uh, it's completely unrealistic, <laughs> yet it is so. Um, it's so beautiful in in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, it's it's so it's so like I keep saying unrealistic, but grounded. It, it yeah, it's it's so like it would never happen. But man, is it so like relatable and something that like we want to see. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't he, know well, how he, else to put it. He he goes to his old house. And he sits down with the kid who's living there and he asks him, like, what did you do with the persimmon tree? And and the kid's like, what's a persimmon? <laughs> and, yeah. and he explains what a persimmon is in, in great detail. And um, there's just something so sincere and heartwarming about that that moment. And then, you know, then it just moves on. And it, it, like a lot of things in this movie where um, something will just kind of happen, they have like a moment of expression a moment of humanity and then they the the movie just kind of moves on um but it but it lets it breathe in a certain way um and then where other things will will, will happen where nicholas cage steals a bicycle and yells at someone <laughs> and it, it will also just move on um yeah but uh you know so they go they go to this restaurant they they kind of uh finagle their way in and um any <laughs> He takes the the uh, the appetizer and he just like he eats one bite and he says, "I want to speak to the chef." Um, and the chef comes out and sits down and he, um, you know, he essentially chastises him, but in the most like human way about the fact that he he doesn't really want to be doing this. The chef doesn't want to be making stupid deconstructed food for people who hate him, who aren't real, <laughs> and how he he really wants to make a pub and he wants to and he should follow his dreams because like Nicolas Cage says, there's not a lot of things that we get to care about in this world. And um that that's kind of I would say that's well the the that scene comes in the middle um of the movie and it kind of is the keystone in a lot of ways um it fits in where you're not really sure what to think about the movie and then you see the way that Nicolas Cage handles someone who has 
really wronged him in a personal way um, and how human he is with him uh, mm. and how he's he's able to to really just get out get at the root of of his soul and in such a crushing and believable way um and that interaction between them like i i i think about that scene so often um, yeah it's such a beautiful what he says too is like is so devastating and real <laughs> you know it's it's amazing there's so much wisdom in this movie it's yeah. yes it feels like I, I don't know. It's it's extremely reflective and it could have come across so like cheesy or like, you know, kind of un unrelatable. But I do believe that the performances elevate it. And there's I just I think you're totally right. Like there's a humanity to approaching conflict in this movie that is in spite in spite of all the sadness and depressing elements of the storyline it is actually an extremely inspiring movie um i i think i think like when i watched it i was like yeah like there's something about this that makes me want to kind of you know wake up and i it actually I mean, and this is pretty personal but it 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 made me feel like i needed to um text Jules, my girlfriend who I've been dating for a while. And, you know, I was like, Hey, like, I just want you to know, like life moves by quick. We're in a good stage of life and I love it right now. And someday one of us is going to be alone and not have each other. And I don't know, maybe I'll be like at that restaurant or that bakery, you know, that we went to and you're not going to be there, but or I'm not going to be there, but it's still like, we'll we'll be wishing that we were back here where we are now. And so I'm going to appreciate yeah. it, you know? And there's not a lot of movies that do that to me. You know, there's not, yeah. there's not a lot 100%. of like, even, even just in one, you know, one scene alone that I like really dug in at something super deep. And so moving from there, I was like, I was already moved by that scene to move towards like, a, a kind of a comical villain if i'm being honest like he's like <laughs> yeah, i yeah. took he is just pig. like big baddie you know yeah. like <laughs> yeah he's like i took your pig because my son was making money off it and now i'm going to make all the money and there's nothing you can do about it rrr you know like it's like yeah, okay yeah. um and the response of like just kind of a like a stupid evil like someone that has like basically no soul right um that Nicholas Cage as the chef, like his last interaction was, was like poking at something and you find out through the movie, right? That, um, this great chef had cooked a meal for this evil dudes, um, like for an anniversary or a birthday or something, him and his wife had experienced together. And so the resolution to the conflict of the film for him, but, to get but, but even more so it was, you know, it was a meal that they remembered so long after, and they right. still talk about it to that to that you know or you know so one of them will still bring it up, um, you know, in a way because, and it was significant to all of them, well, presumably to all of them because in Alex Wolf's mind, it was the only time that that he really felt like his 
you know, he saw his parents like getting along and, and yeah. laughing and having a good time. And you could tell that there's a little bit of in in the dad's performance, there's a little bit of like like, yeah, you were this big time chef, but like what are you doing now? You're just a you're just a dude who's holed up in in you know, in the middle of nowhere. And you know, and he still remembers, he still has that that sense of of you know what it was a long time ago, but he's like, that's over. It's business now, basically. Yeah. Um and the the mom isn't really a part of the movie. She 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 gets one very small scene, but um she's in hospice and you kind of you don't really see her um in any significant way, but you can presume that, you know, obviously the loss of, of her being, you know, non-functional or, you know, being sort of in a vegetative state, that's very hard on, on the the father and it kind of makes him, um, a more sinister person than he probably already was. And, and Nicholas Cage asks, asks him about that, um, where he says, you know, were you always like this or, you know, was it only when she died? Um, which she's not dead, you find out, but, you know, ba- essentially dead. Um, right, right. And, you know, even though he is kind of the, the snarling, you know, very classic um, villain archetype, um, in a way, you kind of understand that he sees this just as his business and it's not really it's not really anything more than that. And, um, you know, whether like he he doesn't see the attachment that Nicolas Cage has to his to his pig, um, because to him, it's just like he can get another one. You know, it's not a problem. Right. Um, and then after that, you realize you, you get that another very interesting moment between. Nicholas Cage and Alex Wolf, where he he says, "I don't need the pig to to find the truffles. Like I can I can do it my, myself, but I I love this pig, and that's why I'm doing all this basically." Um, yeah, and so you know, so that and then right after that, that's where we get the the break to the third act where. You know, normally in a revenge story like this, you'd get the sort of barnstorming, you know, we're going to we're going to hoorah into and into save the pig. But their solution to that uh, problem is by um, an act of of pure kindness. Um, Yeah. And yeah. So go into let's go into that that sequence, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things I really like about this final moment is that there's a new emphasis on Nicolas Cage reflecting on his wife that passed away that was part of his life as a chef in this town, right? And I think there's something extremely relatable about, you know, going through something with a pet. I know this is kind of weird. This is a strange thing, but like, like Juliana's um, little dog just passed away and that dog's death brought forward a lot of memory of like family that lived with her grandpa lived with her. And she's like, well, that dog kind of connected my grandpa to my life. And somehow like that dog dying is like the memories of him are fully gone. You know, like, like there was no, there was no animal that we had in the house that lived 
during that era. It's done. It's completely gone out of my life in some sort of way. Right. And so it seems like him being back in his, in his town, Nicholas Cage being back in his, in his hometown sort of thing or his stomping grounds. Right. Um, it's bringing about a lot of thoughts about kind of a mysterious girlfriend or wife character that you kind of get small hints at towards the beginning of the film. And he's, he goes to this bakery that I think was hers. Right. Um, or she worked at no, no, the, the bakery was his old restaurant. Um, Oh, okay. And the, um, it was obviously left to the baker who worked for him at some point. And it said, and she said, um, you know, and he goes in and he basically says like, Oh, you turned it into a bakery. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm a baker and I tried to keep it, you know, how you had it, but it just wasn't the same. And so, and then, you know, after a while she, you know, she changed it into, into a bakery. Um, and, and yeah, so you get the sense of, of sort of lots of time passing, um, in between and sort of the, the, the forgotten memories, like you said, of, you know, people who were, you know, people who were there at a certain point, you know, being, being almost on the cusp of being gone or, or already gone, you know? And so, um, but the reason that they're going to all these different places, um, and you see a handful of different places, I think this movie was supposed to be like an hour longer, um, so I assume, you know, parts of this were, would have been expanded on, but, um, I, I think that would, would have been a mistake. I think this movie is like the perfect length personally. Um, but, um, yeah, so you, you know, you, they're, they're doing all of this because as you find out, they're trying to recreate that meal, that significant meal for, um, you know, the evil father and, and that, that he originally, um, you know, made for, for him and, and the wife. Um, and so they're going back to all of this, the, you know, the same places essentially that they got these things. Um, and the, the, the same bottle of wine from his like private selection. Um, right. And the, you know, the, the bread from this bakery, because it was, it was, you know, his old baker who worked, you know, at his restaurant. Yeah. And so I, and just another thing to add, like that this movie kind of brought out of me. It really like, I don't know, Cameron, like when he's sitting in that bakery, I was thinking a lot about like, you know how maybe it's like grandparents or older people or even like, I mean, even at, at some point, maybe our, like our parents too, at this point, like they have these restaurants or places that they go to that like. Like, it's almost like new and trendy places are, like, not super interesting to older people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're more like, you know, I always think about coffee, right? And how old people are always like, why do you need to pay $6 for coffee? You know? And that's, like, always a thing where they talk about, like, this is an insane amount of money for coffee. Part of me really thinks that being older, you like the spots that you went to, you know? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much memory like attached to that, right? There's so much like, um, there's so much significance and importance. And to see like Nicolas Cage in his old restaurant, right? Um, like there's so much of that emotion coming forward in it where he, not only is it his home, but it's also 
the only place he would get ingredients from in some sort of way too, right? And I don't know. I, I was just really thinking about that, like just personally reflecting. I'm like, what are those spots going to be? Like, you know, I, I don't know if you were like a fan of Chevy's, Cameron. I, wa- I wasn't, <laughs> but there was like that Chevy's on like Almaden Expressway that got yeah, like- I remember it, yeah. Yeah, it got knocked down, right? Um, I actually saw it today being ripped down. And I was like, dang, you know, like I feel old because I'm like that. Yeah. I remember what was there, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, I don't know, like just kind of that, that reflective sort of state that you can be in as you get older, sitting in a place that has so much, so many memories attached um, and it being sort of a shell, like it brings out like this sorrow that is also really kind of joyful in some ways because it's like, this is good memories here, but it's not what it used to be. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of an interesting layer that I was thinking about, but yeah, we, we should get to the meal and let's talk a little bit about like the ratatouille thing, because this is where it really starts to amp up sort of that. Yeah. You're like, wow, I haven't seen a movie with cooking like this in a long time. That that's what I was going to, well, that's literally when me and Jesus were walking out of the theater, when we saw it, I think I was like, is this the best cooking movie since Ratatouille? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it was like, it's yeah, totally true. It is. Um, because it is in a lot of ways. And, and the, um, the beauty and the elegance of how it presents food in such a nonchalant way too, um, is just amazing. And, and obviously the, the chapter markers are kind of in three segments about food, which you would have picked up on if you had been paying attention, you know, early on in the movie that chapter one is, is rustic mushroom tart. <laughs> and, right. and so, you know, there's something about that where you're like, you don't really, you don't really think about it, you know, when it, when it first flashes on screen, but it's basically the first thing that you see in the movie is like, yeah, this is going to be about food more than anything. Um, and, and so, yeah, but, but more than, just food, because it obviously is a little bit about f- food, um, but in the same way that Ratatouille is about how food evokes the deepest and unlocks the deepest of memories, the deepest of emotions. It gives you the feeling, you know, that that moment in Ratatouille where he, he's like eating, uh, he like eats the cheese and like it, it like plays a plays a musical instrument and like has colored lights and stuff. You yeah. know, there's. There's something to that uh, where in that movie, it's like an explanatory power of like, this is what food can do. And this is how food can bring people together. Um, and in this movie, it does the same thing. But by unlocking the <laughs> by unlocking the the power of how food, how smell and taste are c- deeply connected to your memory, um, it also reminds you how sad and devastating so much of this movie actually is um that it's about it's about loss and it's about the forgotten moments it's about the times where we were once happy <laughs> and right. you know and it's it's so like it's so deeply moving and deeply sad but in a um in like a a beautiful way i don't know how else to describe it other than it's just like it's so sincere and beautiful. Um, and there's, there's something, there's something about that, that dinner scene. And I think, I think you're, you're, you know, you've mentioned it, but, um, 
you know, when I, when I first watched it, I was, I was definitely moved. Um, but, but watching it again this time, I was like, even more so I was like, wow, this, the power of this sequence and especially sort of the, the journey of the third act as, as a whole, um, the power of that whole sequence is so, is so moving. It's so beautiful. Um, and like the poetry of it too, just so visual and, and you know, what's happening. Um, and like you mentioned, sort of, you know, the performances that are given are, um, are outstanding. The, the I, dad, yeah. Like the, the moment where he realizes where he's like sniffing the wine and he, and he puts it together is just like, it's next level. It's so good. Yeah. The, I mean, the, also prior to that, Nicolas Cage kind of beginning to eat when Alex Wolf's character and the evil dad are sitting there at the table. They're, they're just as confused in some sort of way. Right. Um, and Nicolas Cage like begins to eat and then he has like this subtle, like his eyes tilt up and he looks at them kind of like a confusion. And then he kind of like does this head nod and like points at the food, you know, and the dad like responds to that. And it is like, it's so surgical in the way that it, 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 it and it's like, it's totally ne next level acting. I think that there's so much to chew on for lack of a better word. And this, in this, uh, <laughs> nice. in this, um, good one. <laughs> in this, in this final scene, I just, I think the, the wisdom of approaching an enemy in such a humane and kind way shows like, an incredible level of power um, that that Nicolas Cage's character has. Uh, this man has all the money in the world and all the resources in the world. And for him to almost, it's almost like the most powerful and, pa and painful and loving thing he could ever do. He does. Yeah. Like yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. know? And it's, it's like, it's something that I think a lot of people need to see um, because I found in, in my life to treat people like, like it, I've had experiences where, you know, you're working with someone or you're trying to, um, I don't know, maybe you're in a position of leadership. Maybe you're trying to collaborate with someone on something. And when there's conflict, so much of your gut is like, just give it to them. You know, just like blast them, just like end, like, you know, whatever, like give him, give them everything you got, you know, like tear them down, all this stuff. Go in and John Wick style. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, and to, and I've had this happen in my life where it's like, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to try to like hear them out. I'm going to try to treat them like a human. I think one of the most memorable parts in my experience working at a church and in ministry um, a lot of my, the stuff I did at church was music related. Some of the most difficult conversations I've had with people is when they try out to sing. Okay. This is a perfect example of how difficult it can be to treat someone like a human when they absolutely suck. They cannot hit pitch and you don't know how it, it's really hard to figure out how to deliver such difficult news to someone that has no idea how, how to even like um, handle that. And I found that like, I, I was not perfect at it. I had, 
I think, I mean, just for sake of entertainment, one of the first people I ever tried out vocally brought their husband uh, to watch them try out. And <laughs> oh, no. I was like, I have no, it was miserable. It was like one of the most painful auditions. I've. I, and this is the first time I had ever tried anyone <laughs> out too. And I'm just sitting there, her husband's sitting there with me. And I'm like, I have no idea if this guy next to me is not only do I have to give my verdict to her, but I have to give it to <laughs> him as well, who is sitting yeah, here with yeah, me, yeah. right? And he just tried to be supportive. And um, yeah, that didn't, I mean, I tried my best. I was like, well, you know, <laughs> this is what I liked. And this is what, I, those people never came back to the church. They never, I never mm. saw them again. And that mm. like, I was like, wow, like this is not as easy as it seems, you know? Um, but I found that like the wisdom that this movie's sharing to get back to this, right? about like really trying to hit people as like, like treating them with so much respect and love that it's like, they can't deny like, like you can't like, it's just, it's almost like undeniable respect, you know? Um, and the, the response of the dad, not only being emotionally moved in after eating the meal, but his response afterwards to, um, you know, Nicholas Cage being like, where's my pig? Right. It's not, it's a completely different like voice than he was earlier. He's basically like, I don't have anything, you know, he's basically like, yeah. you know, he almost is like, I, I love this guy, you know, <laughs> like in some sort of way, it's, yeah. it's very weird. Yeah. He's, he's disappointed in himself that he can't, um, deliver better news. It's painful for him to share what happened to the pig. Right. Um, and you find out that the pig died in transport or something like that, right? And just the crippling response of, of Nicolas Cage, like kind of falling apart <laughs> in, in a moment uh, to cut to like, you know, the reflective conclusion of the film. Really, I felt like for me, the movie ends at the dinner scene. Um, I was just so moved by it that the ending scene with Nicolas Cage, you know, reminiscing about, his wife i was like i'm just emotionally destroyed i don't even care what they're trying to say at this point like i'm like i get that there's the subplot with the wife and i was like i get it i i appreciate now i appreciate now you know the 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 wife i mean even though it's it's sort of a subplot it is also the sort of the spinal cord throughout the movie you know it's the reason why he's so attached to the pig is because he he's experience this loss the reason why he's he's so devastated by the loss of the pig is because it's a reflection of what happened with exactly with his wife and then the reason why that ending is so amazing and beautiful is because that's a reconciliation of the past in the same way that he had with you know you know the same way that he experienced um through through the father character he's having that moment to say like all right, this is this is me re- recognizing, like this is me hearing my wife's voice again for the first time, um, you know, through this recording, and yeah. it's 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 amazing, and and you know the way that that it finishes out is her singing, um, "I'm on fire," and uh, and it's it's 
it's beautiful and and devastating. <laughs> it's yeah, so I couldn't e- I couldn't even comprehend the f- the final <laughs> scenes. I was literally just like, I don't know what this means. I'm done. I can't. I'm like, I'm like, I love it. It's great. I don't know what to say. You know, um, and I'm sure a second viewing would help me. Chill. I, I honestly, the the introduction of the little like cassette tape in the in the radio at the beginning, I was super confused. Uh, the be- at the beginning of this movie, I was just completely confused, and then it just starts hitting you with these mini short film scenes with the moment in the restaurant, the moment in the hotel or the, the apartment, Alex Wolf's apartment. Um, and the, the kid, the scene with the kid, you know, the scene with, um, the dad for the first time. And then the cooking scene and the scene at the bakery, it's like all these little mo- small interactions, um, that are sharing like little bits of wisdom. Those won me over instantly. Um, in the middle half of the it's just the beginning when they try to bring it full circle at the end to the beginning I was like I don't even care I'm just I can't you know like that's yeah so um, this movie is strange I can't help but recommend it and I do think the most difficult like thing about it is it's confusing opening that I think some people can just be like, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what to grasp until you hit that middle part. Like that you won't get it. I'm, I think my biggest fear with this movie is turning it off 30 minutes in, you know, <laughs> that that's my biggest yeah, fear yeah. with this film for someone that's watching it. Um, but yeah, I, I you gotta, you gotta see, I feel like, I, I can't, it's so weird, but I can't feel like I I can't give it any other rating, but for everyone, I feel like the messaging of this movie and the, the, the purpose of the film and even the small moments in the film, like every, everyone is going to be like kind of moved by this movie. Um, if you're not like, I can understand if you're just lost in confusion or maybe you're having a day where you're not engaging in it, but like, Man, I don't know how somebody could watch that restaurant scene and not be like, "Whoa," you know, like that. That's <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, that's yeah. kind of like that's a scene that I, w- I it's difficult to forget. Yeah, I mean, it, I would say there's there's a handful of those moments that are basically you know, un, like will will leave a lasting impression on you. And the fact for me, it's just the fact that it it takes you on a journey that you think you're you think you're geared up for something and then it takes you so deep inside your own soul and and you come out on the other side a better person <laughs> for it yeah and, what and, the heck? It, and it's like it's like an insane journey um and you you walk out being like wow this was this, <laughs> this was really strange and deep and hit me in a certain way that I wasn't ready for <laughs> yeah. or expecting um yeah, I I agree. I think I think it is for everybody. Um I kind of agree. I think well I'll say the the only issue I have recommending it to that is I think people will get turned off by um the confusion of, of certain, you know, it 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 pitches itself a certain way and that it it totally goes in a different direction. And I think people might be jarred by that. But I say if you're open-minded and if you're ready to have like a movie pull on your heartstrings a bit, um this is this is a a brilliant one and and one that I've that I haven't, you know, and actually um 
I've I liked this movie even more the second time uh, than I did the first time because the first time walking away I I was really into it and I really thought it was it was so interesting what it was doing the second time it hit me on that on that more emotional level um, and it hit me it hit me really deep um, and it's yeah it's so brilliant it's so well done so. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else to say besides give it a shot. It is I was glad that you told me Cameron you're like, "Oh, it's a very sad and and touching movie." And so when I was confused, I was like, I'm confused how it's going to get to the sad and touching <laughs> part. But yeah. I'm glad I know that that's where it's going. I right. think that was helpful right. for me as a viewer. So maybe that's all you need to end it. And that's why I mean, that's why in the non-spoiler section earlier I was trying to kind of give that synopsis being like yeah it's a very sad moving movie without trying to give away anything because i feel like that will help an audience member who who has to who wants to see it so yeah two thumbs up i mean this movie is more meaningful than dune did i enjoy it more than dune <laughs> i don't know i don't know i i am i am torn i am torn because dune like it's weird. My th- the three movies that have stood out the most to me this year, um, although I can't wait to make an argument for the Spider-Man movie being the best movie this year, um, <laughs> uh, just to piss off Cameron and Juzo. Um, <laughs> I will say, like so far for me, James Bond has been the most fun to watch. Uh, Dune has been the most epic to watch. And then this has been the most emotional uh, film that I've seen this year. Yeah. And... You know, even though we we were having a conversation about what makes a movie fun, I think this movie still has a lot of fun elements. Yeah, like, uh, like when he yells Nicholas, at someone. <laughs> yeah, when he when Nicholas Cage just, just pops off, he he suddenly pops back into character. You know, <laughs> and you know the the um the cooking scene is cool. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff. You're totally right. This movie does not look budget. This movie looks no. fantastic. No, it's gorgeous. Um, it's like it's it's one of the best looking movies of the year for sure. Um, yeah. Up but, there with Dune, I'd say. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. So I can't recommend it enough. It's it's a really special film. Um, you'll probably be well if you've listened to spoilers. You're not going to be surprised that it moves you, but um, yeah, I got I got to recommend it. I'm I'm pretty much done, Cameron. I got nothing else to say. You want to add anything else? No. Um. Yeah. I like I said. I I love this movie. Um, definitely at one point it was my favorite of the year. Um, I think still I like licorice pizza better, but I'm going to give it one more shot too. And, you know, I, I gave them both two, two tries. So at the end of that, we'll, we'll kind of duke it out between them. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's really spectacular. I, I just, you know, can't, can't recommend it highly enough. And especially the fact that it's on Hulu for free. If you have Hulu, um, no excuse. Like I said, no excuse. It's true. It's good. All right, Cameron. Thank you so much for recording. Um, excited to get into the holidays and find some time. Maybe we'll do some episodes in person. But yeah. thank you guys for listening. We post every Monday, and we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. 
Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners. So we thank you for all your kindness and support.